Hello and welcome to another Off the Crossbar podcast with Regan Walsh and Brad Morris, in which we discuss everything that's happening in football. But before we get into that, if you like what you're hearing, like and subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you're listening to us with weekly podcast release on Mondays and Fridays. But as I said, I'm joined by Brad, and what a weekend. Yeah, it's been a pretty good one, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Dare I say a lot more quieter than some of the other ones. Ah, <laughs> oh, gosh. You're really going to enjoy this, aren't you? Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Can't think why. Uh, I dare I say you could describe this weekend as a bit of a madness. Right. Let's talk about the elephant in the room then. And obviously that is Manchester United, Aston Villa, Saturday afternoon, our two teams. Wow, what a game. This is the highest I've felt as a Villa fan since the 7-2 last season. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, good game. I think it was very end-to-end. Um, I, I honestly think a draw would have been a fair result in this game. Like, to me... I don't think there was any clear-cut winner. I mean, we had our chances and we just weren't clinical enough. Um, and I think Villa got the chance that they needed to score and they got it. And I've got to give credit to Dean Smith's side. He was really well done. Um, I've got to say, you managed to keep Ronaldo really quiet in this one, to be fair. I, think, I, yeah. I had my bit on him. Like, I had to confirm the stats of this game to tell the full story. Like one bit. <laughs> yeah, because I mean... Uh, just having a look now, United had 28 shots to Villa's 7, 4 on target to their 3. And I think the shots on target was more of a, of a, a true reflection rather than United having the majority of the shots and the possession. I think it, it definitely felt a lot closer of a game than uh, what the statistics, like you said, point out to be. Yeah, you only had to be watching the second half to know that Villa were just way more dominant. Yeah, they were a, a lot better side and they definitely... Uh, put up a really good fight and at times I did think they could potentially have nicked it and obviously it made it so much more sweeter winning at Old Trafford after 12 years and actually being the better team <laughs> a part of it yeah. we didn't just shit out it we were actually good yes um, Courtney Horse the header uh, Paul Malkin from uh, Cavani for the goal uh, however question marks over the goal are definitely being raised. Um, I just want to draw you to attention to the photos I sent you. So the one was of the Villa goal uh, of Ollie Watkins, I believe it is obstructing. You're the drawing view. me towards the photos that have been sent to me pretty much the majority of the weekend, and I have the perfect excuse for this. But carry on. Yeah. So uh, Ollie Watkins is in De Gea's view, and this one isn't given offside by the fourth official. Hence uh, the linesman. Sorry. Hence why he hasn't gone to VAR and being ruled out yet we go to last week between Brighton and Leicester Harvey Barnes in the exact same position and is given offside now I'm not saying that would have changed the events and I genuinely think like I said a draw would have been a fair result but like Alan Shearer said on match of the day on Saturday evening we need the consistency with this kind of officiating yeah like the consistency is both of them are goals I think the thing is, though, they say it's because it's obstructing the view of the keeper, and that's why they say it's... Like... But he's not. Because 
very interesting you sent me that one actually send me the picture that is the opposite angle in which you can see as Hawes has headed it Ollie Watkins is nowhere near David Gea yeah but it's as the ball's initially played in so this one when it's played in he's and it's uh, coming down to, towards coming towards when Courtney Hawes has headed that Gea is still going to save that whether Watkins is there or not I think he has a better chance than what he did his chances may improve, but you look at his look at his positioning in the first place. He's nowhere near it. Yeah, I agree, but it is like I said. The I think there's a better chance. But um, like the commentator on match of the day said, why don't you have uh, a defender on the post for that? Put your fullbacks on your post, simple defending, and you stop that kind of goal happening. If you have your fullbacks on the posts, or how about you just defend better? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it was like Edison Cavani on the bulldozer that is Courtney Hawes. Yeah, I mean, that was what was great as well. If you'd seen Mings had like done a bit of movement before that for Hawes to run into, who needs set piece catch? (laughs) It is uh, quite good to see that uh, that has worked for Villa. But yeah, I think United. I think we are the best now at set pieces in the league so far this season. Yeah, it's a strange one where two Midlands teams have been really good at set pieces. You look at West Bromdale in the Championship as well. A lot of their goals from throw-ins and like set pieces have happened this season, uh, and it's definitely working for the the two Midlands clubs specifically. And once again, case in point at this weekend for uh, your lot. But that yeah, wasn't the, last the end. Thing of... I can add to that. I can never understand why pundits. They keep criticising because, oh, why do you need a set piece coach? This is literally the reason why. Oh, They're yeah. giving other teams something to think about. Well, they don't watch Ted Lasser. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been more case in point this season. We've seen, uh, I would say there's definitely been an increase from set pieces, goals happening, whether it be a long throw in or uh, from a corner of free kick. A lot more has happened. It's, so, do you, in my family well, me and my dad we have the inside joke because for years we never seemed to score from corners mm. and yet we've seen at least two of or maybe three of them this season <laughs> it's a very it's very unusual <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't the end of the drama because later on united got a penalty um we were both right in saying uh, in our preview podcast last week that united would get a penalty but we were wrong with the timing um if anything, I was spot on in how he would go down. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it was a penalty and it came out. It's, it's, it's sim- accidental. You could say it's accidental because of the speed it's happened, but because his arm's out and it's going towards the goal, it's hard to say no. Yeah, it's very similar to the Luke Shaw incident uh, last week where he gave a penalty up for Man United. Like, he was trying to move into a better position and unfortunately as he's moving, so his arms came out and it struck Courtney Horse um, and it was a correct decision to award the penalty. And yeah, Bruno Fernandes, Jesus Christ, that's one of the worst penalties I've seen taken in a long time. I was going to say, there was a lunar eclipse over Wembley. I wonder what that was for. <laughs> it was the ball going across. Yeah. The foot, have you seen the footage video? It's fan footage in the Stratford end and you can see the ball go over and obviously it bounces back. That means yeah. it has hit the top of the lower bit of the Stratford. Jesus. Not the best of signs. Um, 
There was obviously all that antics leading up to it with like, Emmy Martin is saying uh, he wants Ronaldo to take it and then Solskjaer was complaining afterwards on Match of the Day um, about like the Villa players being in and around the spot causing the spot to be like scuffed up. But I don't think that spot was really scuffed up or anything. Personally, I haven't seen any pictures of like a before and after shot of it. Um, but no, Because it's not like Manchester United players to harass players before a penalty <laughs> spot either. Yeah, but... Who cares? My fucking goalkeeper. Eliana <laughs> <laughs> Martinez, he's becoming one of my favourite footballers ever. He's already my favourite goalkeeper ever. That's fully established. The man has stood there talking to one of the best players of all time, going, come on, big man, why aren't you having it? You're so good. What are you taking? You know Bruno is not going to do well. Uh... Absolute class she tells Oh, is there he is? Well, I'll be suing in front of you. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't want the smoke. <laughs> well, apparently, though... I didn't want any of Emmy's thrusting smoke. <laughs> apparently, though... He watched the Copper America, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, may well have done. Uh, but from the reports I've read, it had been told by the United players if they were to get a penalty, Bruno would be the first choice taker of the penalties anyway. And I think it is set to stay no, at no, that. No, it isn't. No, it is meant to stay with him as no, a penalty. No, 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 I don't think so. It is. Big Cristiano's not having that. Well, whether he likes it or not, he's not bigger than Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. Bruno's taking the penalties. <laughs> I think you'll find he probably is. Mm, doubt it. If that was to happen, I would. I've got to ask it. No, so I have to ask: Is that serious questions? Are there actually any Man United fans out there who still believe Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is going to achieve great things with them? Yeah, I think he can still have a good time at United, but it is a lot of how is the word to put it? A lot of idiotic. Go on. I said all the talk. Is is that the wheel? Hmm. He's at the wheel of a great bus, but now he's at the controls of a roller coaster with 10 dips and 20 loops. That's the a bit average harsh on Phil Jones fans mood swings. Jesse Lingard. The, the average Man United fans mood swings about as much time as a lift going up and down in a day. <laughs> Under this bloke. Honestly, though, for me, I'm. I think it takes time because he's building a team, and you can see what he's trying to build, and. We've brought in three main key players this season. I'm not including Tom Heaton in this conversation because he'll probably only use like cup games and that. No disrespect to Heaton, but you're not even that. You're out of the cup. <laughs> FA Cup, still in that. Um, but uh, it's going to take time. Gonna like, Go if I might add one last thing, he's always being compared to a PE teacher, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's as, and as you know, I have family who work. In a school, I find that very offensive. Mm. It's just one of them where just, this guy can't teach anything. I refuse to believe he's in dra- training, telling them how to work tactics and stuff. No, this I... guy is relying heavily on the individual talent of one of the most expensively assembled squads in history. No, I excuses stop this season because of all that. If somehow fans don't catch on now, they will do in the near distant future. I think that's just been disrespectful to him. I think he's working on a system and you can see it slowly coming in. The trajectory that this club is on is going in the right direction and he's brought in the right players and he, like they've had what seven, eight games together now. 
it's still going to take some time to have a whole fully squad assembled. Yes, some managers can do it better than others because they're more experienced than Oli. But they're, for me, there's still, and I think a lot of true United fans, not all of these, like Oli out after every defeat or every draw in the hey, system. Careful, you're going into a very grey area there. <laughs> it's, start. it's, I'm just, I just think, trust him. Yes, I think he has to win a trophy this season and can't be miles away from the top four if we're not obviously in the title challenge. But you can't allow these silly reactionary results. Like, yes, we've had a bad fortnight or so, but come the end of the season, if United were to win the league and have a good FA Cup and Champions League run, I wouldn't be given two bollocks about this start to the season. Bearing in mind, right, the results... It raises out, concerns, though. I don't think it does. It's Of course it does. You've lost back-to-back games at Old Trafford. When does that happen? Very rarely. I mean, I can't remember the last time it actually happened. Maybe under Jose or... This, hap- this happened here. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, he's not as good a manager as, uh, tactically, someone like a David Moyes and a Deed Smith is more proactive. Uh, it's just... The I change... Dean Smith is usually one of the worst ones with subs, but in this he was brilliant. We clearly... We, he, saw, he saw that we had a game to win still, and he sent on Cameron Archer. I mean, two of our substitutions were down to injury in this game, with uh, Luke Shaw and Maguire having the to go one off. Other, where was the one other attacking chip? Where was Sancho or Lingard to try and give you a chance? Well... We, we, you have to bring on your defensive players in, especially Delo had to come on for Luke Shaw. You can't bring on an attacking player in the thirty-fourth minute. Sixty-six. Obviously, in that case, yeah. And Aaron McGuire, yeah, you had to bring Lindelof on, but you still got to change it up somehow. Attack it weren't working. Yeah, but what can he do there? He, like, he made the sub of taking off McTominay. Do you need for... both McTominay and Fred on that pitch? <laughs> no, against an Aston Villa team, we shouldn't be having McTominay and Fred on that pitch. One of them needs to be dropped and. It's one of them where I think this game uh, in midweek, it needs to be realised that his strongest 11 and is De Gea in goal, Shaw, Maguire, Varane, Wan-Bissaka. That back five is fine, right? It needs to then be McTominay and Pogba, and then Greenwood, Sancho, Fernandes, Ronaldo as the front line until Rashford is fully fit again. And then interchange Sancho and... Greenwood with uh, Rashford because a lot of people have been giving Sancho you, the slack and um, hard time but he, do, do you not think that's worthwhile though because look how much you spent on him you spent that much money on a guy who's just going to be an interchangeable player well it's his first season it's going to take him time to get adjusted this is his first time ever playing professionally at this top level in England it's going to take him time yes Varane and Ronaldo have adapted a lot quicker and easier because they're more experienced players. Sancho is still 20, 21 years old. It's going to take him time to readjust back to playing English football under a different manager. And it's if, say, next season we're by Christmas and he's not performing, then we can say, okay, his question marks definitely worth to be raised. But while he's, what, seven, eight games, didn't have much of a break because of the extended Euros I'm not too worried about him at this early stage in his United career and like Solskjaer said 
uh, in his pre-match conference, I think it was, uh, before the game. He's not signed him for the here and now. He's also here for the long term of the club, like the 10, 12, 15 years uh, of Manchester United. So I think it's just... The one thing I can add with that, a lot of money to spend on someone you're hoping will be amazing in five years' time. Yeah, but five years' time, he'll be in the prime of his career. He'll be 20... That's if he's starting. Yeah, he will be. He'll be 26... And then you'll be like, okay, this is what we've got from him. It's been worth the investment. He was always going to struggle. And I knew he wasn't going to be flying in with the assists and goals like he did last season at Dortmund. And even if you remember back to his early Dortmund days, he did struggle a bit coming from England. So He was an 18-year-old. <laughs> yeah, and he's still young now. That's what, two, three years down the line? It's going yeah, to take... Look, look, don't get me wrong. I do to, 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 see... I see why... That people are getting a bit over the top of him. Mm. But that's not going to be the case come January, is it? No, I think January onwards, I think we'll see a more like settled uh, Sancho in the United team and we'll see him providing the assists. Maybe not crazy numbers like he did last season with Dortmund because realistically, the Bundesliga, like we've said many a times, it's only by Munich, them and RB Leipzig that are real contenders for a league title maybe Wolfsburg this season but it's a lot harder in England because you're never going to get an easier game like every week is a different challenge and it's a hard challenge for any player young or old uh, to come into the Premier League yeah I mean going back to the settled thing he'll be settling his place in the bench yeah and it's it's all warm (laughs) Yes. Right, anyway, that's enough about us well, two. Oh, no, sure, I wanted to add one last... I just had one last take. Can we stop with this take that Harry Maguire is a good, a good defender? He is an all-right defender with no mobility and poor passing. What yeah, does that... he do that honestly makes him better than someone like Esri Kanta? Kanta is one of the most consistent defenders in the league. Very this rarely season, puts he hasn't the foot been... wrong. This season he hasn't been that consistent. Please find me an example when he hasn't. I swear, like two or three games ago, he made a mistake. I don't recall that one happening. But you got Gareth Southgate in the stands watching, and I hope mm-hmm. he's watching carefully because out of those two players, there's only one player that I would want regularly playing for England. Yeah, but it's this age-old thing, though. He doesn't play for a big six club, unfortunately for him, and it's one Not of yet them. He doesn't. <laughs> and it's one of them where you're also thinking. Southgate has his set of players. I mean, he the likelihood of him changing is like who he has in an Amoxi squad is very unlikely unless it is down to injury. And that's why I don't see someone like Conte getting in. Yes, he's probably had a better season than Maguire. I mean, you're telling me, next thing has got if Connor Cody somehow in there and Esri Conte isn't based on what I've seen this season, it's a joke at this point. I mean, uh, is it the end of this month? We got uh, next it's month. Cool. Sorry, or is it mid? Might even be announced next week or this week. I don't. Know. Yeah, I can't remember when the squad's announced, but um, it will be interesting to see who gets in. But I don't think Connor Cody will get into it at all. Generally, I think Conte earns his place more than Mings does, if anything. But I know what Tyrone Mings gets in. Yeah. Um, right. Elsewhere, we have had a lot of uh, action this week, and what's the second game we're heading to then? 
Yeah, let's guess we have to go on to the North London Derby. That was quiet, weren't it? For about 12 minutes, it was quiet. Because Jesus Christ. Controlled, quick tempo in the first half, relentless pressure. Wait, wait, hang on a minute, that's Arsenal. Looking. <laughs> Scoring three goals in the first half, an hour of football. Is that Arsenal we saw, or was this a different team we saw yesterday, by the way? I don't know what, I don't know what it was. Was it a, an amazing Arsenal performance? Actually, maybe maybe amazing too strong an adjective. A good Arsenal performance, or an absolutely dreadful Spurs performance? The latter. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Arsenal fans, I was there you did good. But that sounds awful from Spurs. Yeah, they, they were just... Every time they counted them, they just looked like scoring. Yeah, I mean, uh, for Saka's goal, the third, the fact that Harry Kane was that far back when you saw him try and make a tackle before Eric Dyer was on him, it was just like <sighs> embarrassing. on him, Christ. God, Kane, we said him, and I said, this man is a shell of himself right now. He really is. He. I. I. Has this move not getting to Manchester City really has haunted him this season in the league? Like he can't. Oh God, I don't want to be there. Mm. Can't give his feet that goal wants to be there. No. Like he's just he's the captain. He's the captain. What Tottenham player would listen to him? Well, yeah. When you're looking at the fact that the man wanted to leave, didn't want to be there. And then has reluctantly stayed because the chairman has put such a hefty price tag on him. That's the only reason he stayed. If if it was say I don't know seventy to a hundred million, and uh, like uh, Levy accepted it, then Kane obviously wouldn't be there now. But it's the fact that Levy wants a hundred and fifty, two hundred odd million, whatever the figure is, for him. And Man City aren't going to pay that. That is why Kane's still there. He definitely doesn't want to be there. And he's had chances. And he even had a chance in this game yesterday to do something. But he just didn't. Yeah, it just went well. But it's not even just Kane, though, is it? That whole start in 11, when you look at it, is damning itself. Because they've signed Romero, Emerson Royale, Brian Gill... Where are they in start living? Well, yeah, I mean, Emerson, Royale and Brian Gill came on, but Emerson came on at half-time and Brian Gill came on with 20 minutes to go. Romero, not even in... Uh, he was on the bench. Like, was, Romero was talked about last season as one of the best defenders in Syria. Yeah. And then you see Tottenham was saying, well, apparently it's because he's not suited and he's not. they want to play him at a free and or he doesn't suit the league. Why bring the player in then? If he doesn't yeah. suit you, what Nuno wants to do. And it's like, I'm trying to figure out what Nuno is trying to do. Like, at times he seems to want to play this like attacking type of football. But at the same time, there's also the discontent to play. It's like he's caught in two minds. Like, every 20 but minutes he, to half an hour, he seems to change as to what he wants to do. I think he realised in this one that the attacking football's got to stop because we're just getting beat on the counter every time. Yeah. And then when they did show it a bit, they brought on Skip and... Was it Hill? Yeah. Yeah, they looked a lot better then. Oh, definitely. Well, they didn't really look like scoring much. Yeah, I mean, 
credit to Mikel Arteta. I think he got his tactics spot on, and the way, uh, like you said, they caught Spurs out on the counter attack was just absolutely brilliant. I mean, Saka and Smith Rowe just ran them wide positions for. Smith Rowe. I mean, no chance Villa were ever signed him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> performances like that. Yeah, he's going to get in the England squad at some point. Isn't he? Yeah, I, I think if he continues these performances before uh, for the next two weeks or so, whenever Southgate isn't announcing his squad for the next set of England fixtures, I think he has to be definitely amongst the consideration for it. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he was in it. Yeah, just as just that top six viewing, and at any time there's one good player, they just get there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I think even Aaron Ramsdale, he had a really good game. There's a few chances that Spurs did have. I, I mean, the goal. Yeah. I missed. He made this world class save, apparently, and I missed it. I think it was the one where it looked like it was going in, and then he just managed to tip it onto the crossbar and send it over. Like it was yeah. a really good save from him, and he's starting to look really good. And you can like obviously people, including ourselves, were questioning was he worth the money, but so far he's proven. The Delta's wrong and he's looked really good. I mean, he's keeping Burnt Leno out of the team, who's not a bad goalkeeper, but he can. he's starting to do really good. Could you confirm that Burnt Leno is the only German player in this team? Yes, I believe he is the only German. And there aren't, there aren't any for Tottenham, are there? <laughs> Nine. I just noticed it was funny. No, <laughs> what was it? Was that nine <laughs> no, it's nine, Joe. <laughs> mm, Ansi Greek was there, and I didn't know why, because Burnt Leno was on the bench. I was like, what a waste of time. <laughs> Maybe you just wanted to watch a nice football game for the weekend. Well, you should have went to Old Trafford. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, credit to Arsenal, absolutely destroyed so Spurs. That, did you see? Someone else that understands Terry Henry and his old Arsenal show next to Daniel Ek. Yeah. And Jeremy. Of that, what you will? Yeah, Jeremy Ali Adier was also there as well. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, me, Terry Henry's at you. Jeremy Ali Ali Adier is there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't even know. I would not recognise Jeremy Ali Adier if he was stood right next to me. <laughs> the only way I knew he was How there. have you done that? No, the only way I've known he was there was because his son's got a picture with Henri after the game. <laughs> so. All of the Invincibles are trying to convince Daniel Ek to buy them. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Arsenal just absolutely sublime against... Was Francis Jeffers there by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, as far as my, uh, not as far as I'm aware, sorry. Unfortunately, I didn't have that eagle eye of uh, spotting Franny Jeffers if all... If he was there or not, um, but yeah, Arsenal thoroughly deserved that win and were the better of the two sides uh, then. And another game that had a goal fest on Saturday evening: Liverpool, Brentford. My God, we was said this, this was going to be good. We, we said this was going to be great. We weren't let down, was we? Oh no! This is why Brentford were brought to the Premier League. <laughs> it, like, I already loved them in this six, seven games we've had them in the Premier League more than I've ever enjoyed Norwich being in the Premier League oh boy I'm absolute mile like the way they overloaded like the box with all their crosses like the back post was just overloaded you could see um, 
Trent Alexander-Arnold was struggling really badly when them crosses were coming in towards him on that back post when he had like two or three Brentford players around him and it was just absolutely great tactics from Thomas Frank yeah, it, it, this is what it is Liverpool away from home they don't change but when they come up against teams that will be similar and will be you know hard work rate relentless pressure a bit like how we were in the 70s mm. they struggle yeah their defence can't handle it. Van Dijk and Matip was firing one of their worst performances again. It wouldn't surprise me. They just they every ball in the box, you'd think Brentford would just absolutely bully them, and it would look like they could potentially score from ninety nine percent of the shots that they had or chances, just because Liverpool, like you said, aren't used to teams playing the exact same brute force attacking style against them. Yeah. That's why I look at this game and I go, oh, I cannot wait to play Liverpool at home. 3-3. Mm. Um, three, three. Just wild ones of both teams with the determination they showed. Yeah, 3-3. Three, three. Cracking game. Lived up to all the hype and all the fireworks that we uh, said in our preview show. And yeah, absolutely cracking game. And Brentford, ninth place after six games. Boy, is it a joy to watch them this season. Yeah. What we kind of expected, because mm. they're not this sort of club that's going to change their way. They're doing right what Fulham tried to do in the past, what Norwich try and do all the time. Yeah, they just they just get it right. They they planned this for years. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. They the, the second they the second they got promoted, they were finally going to bring the plan out of the locker. Yeah, and it's worked so far really well for everyone involved at Brentford, and it's just. Incredible to see. Mm-hmm. Um, no, so the the other, the other one that was not a, not a poor game, but it, obviously you expect more when it's these two quality teams. Yeah, and obviously we're talking about Chelsea, Man City, the other early kickoff on Saturday. For me, this game was just it never got going. If you know what I mean, like every couple of minutes, the two teams that didn't two teams that didn't want you want to bust much of a gut. Yeah. But then again, Manchester City didn't need to do that as Chelsea just seems to let them do it. Yeah, I mean, this was one of the worst Chelsea performances I've seen under Tuchel. Like, they just never seemed to get going in the game at all. Mm, they weren't controlling it. Yeah. They let Man City impose their will. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, City had 15 shots, Chelsea had five. City had four on target, Chelsea had none. And it was... Like it was completely different to what we've seen uh, them do under Tuchel and I asked you this on Friday what the dealing would be for one of the City centre-backs on Lukaku and for me they did it really well just marking him out of this game and didn't allow him a sniff yeah maybe it was just harder to get an outlet to him Mm. but they, they didn't lose their shape much Chelsea they stayed with it but it didn't offer them much in an attacking sense yeah and I think what was also hard for them was when they had a ball in the defensive period City would create these like three or four players that would just go and close uh, Chelsea down really quickly like you saw the likes of Sterling uh, Gabriel Jesus um, Grealish do it and um it annoys the other player. I say it annoys me to how how amazing Jack Grealish is doing. <laughs> yeah, 
the way that they were dealing with the high press, Chelsea just seemed to really, really struggle against it. And credit to Guardiola for getting that bit of his tactic spot on. And Jesus's goal as well was wow. See what happens on a strong beautiful. <laughs> well, yeah, an absolutely beautiful control and just to turn the defence like that and squeeze it past Mendy. Absolutely uh, beautiful to see. Yeah, more of that, please, Gabby Jesus. Well, yeah. no, not when um, you play Dartes, but... Well, yeah, but the rest of the season. Um, so, yeah, the top four, only separated by a point, obviously Liverpool on top with 14, City, Chelsea and United uh, on 13 points, as well as Everton as well. Um, just a quick recap of the rest of the Premier League this weekend. Uh, Everton have beaten Norwich 2-0, Decore and Townsend with the goals. Decore absolutely ran that show and... Norwich again were just woeful. Yeah, doomed. That's all I've said. Yeah. Doomed. It's reminded me how Sheffield United were last season, but then no, you when know, you got you to know the... it is, it's Fulham. Yeah. It's more Fulham than it is Sheffield United. Mm. Uh, West Ham beat Leeds United 2 1. An own goal from Junior Furball and Mikel Antonio sealed the win for David Moyes' side. Though Furpo had one of his worst games since coming to England. Yeah, another going. Looks like he's struggling to adapt slightly. Mm. Even uh, what for that the... style of play as well? Cause you're calling... Oh, hundred percent. Because he's calling for Barca. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Uh, Watford and Newcastle played out a very entertaining one-one draw. I mean, that definitely could and maybe should have been more goals for both sides in that game. Oh. D- the only thing I remember this one that is the last bit Jacob Murphy threw on goal and then trying to chip oh. Ben Foster what's he Just doing why? what's he doing yeah. I have no <laughs> idea <laughs> yeah and uh, the other game Leicester Burnley that. Have you, have you um, I can't remember what it is I think John, John Anderson I don't know who he works but we did commentary on the game have you heard the his lines with it no it's probably my, my favourite thing I've ever heard. I'm going to get it. <laughs> Here we go. It's Jacob Murphy released. Murphy one on one. Jacob Murphy to win it. Oh, oh just put it in the net. Oh, God. Oh, just put it in the net. Is it all of us? Yes. Just Every Newcastle fan that made that travel down to Watford were just thinking, just put it in the net, son. Oh. That's so getting added to the funniest moments of the week, can you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, final... <laughs> the final game that happened on Saturday, Leicester Burnley had everything and more. I mean, at one point it looked like Burnley were going to win it uh, 2-1. Jamie Vardy had an eventful Patrick. game. Congrats on his hat-trick. Yeah, lovely header for the young goal, I've got to say. If if that was um, him playing for Burnley, that's a beautiful header. But in the defensive terms, it was. You wouldn't even score another one for Leicester as well, just to do so it completely unprecedented. Yeah, uh, Maxwell Cornet's goal as well was oh, that was a thing of beauty. He's the most unBurnley player I've ever seen. With the name of Maxwell Cornet, you couldn't get any more unBurnley if you asked for it. French flair does not go with Burnley. <laughs> French croissants don't go with Burnley, let alone French flair. It's not very Brexit, is it? 
<laughs> um, but yeah, that game thoroughly entertaining for two teams. Um, that I wasn't expecting to be that entertaining a game. If I'm honest, I thought Leicester were going to absolutely walk over Burnley, but proven wrong. I've already learned something by now. The game that I say won't have any goals in it, Super Six will be amazing, and both teams will put on a thriller. <laughs> and then uh, the final game that we have had this weekend, because we're recording this on. Uh, Monday afternoon was Wolves Southampton. Raúl Jiménez finally scored after 336 days after his last Premier League goal, which was uh, good to see. But both teams had chances. Southampton will obviously rue their chances not being able to uh, score past Jose Sar. I think there was definitely chances where they could and maybe should have scored past him. But credit to Wolves for getting the three points. Yeah, two teams that are going to be lower mid table. Yeah, what I got from this. Mm. Right, let's head over to our European outlook of this past weekend, and we'll start over in Italy. Um, sorry, Spain is where I was starting. Not Italy. We'll get to you Italy start in a second. Where you want to start? <laughs> and Saturday, there was a big shock. Alaves beat Atletico Madrid one 0 with Victor Lagardia scoring the only goal of the game. Yeah, who <laughs> saw this one coming? Mm, I mean, unbeaten starts to the season for Atleti comes to an end at the hands of Alaves, who before this weekend hadn't had a single point in the league and had only scored one and conceded 11. So it's not a good uh, end to the weekend for Diego Simeone's side. No, definitely not. But uh, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be more aggrieved when they see the other results. Yes. Um, their Madrid rivals, though, Real Madrid, could only match a 0-0 draw with Villarreal, which obviously isn't good for them, but they stay atop of the table. Elsewhere, Sevilla beat Espanyol 2-0 to climb above Atletico Madrid, and another team that are above Atleti is Real Sociedad, who managed to beat Elche 1-0 thanks to a Mikel Oyarzabal goal and Barcelona actually won a game in what seems like the first time in about 3-4 weeks it did and they now can officially crown Ansu Fati as their new Messi yes uh, scoring in his first game back in stoppage time for him in... 2 minutes he was on the pitch for 2 minutes <laughs> well you can't complain a striker does what a striker does and scores the goal Uh Eases was... the pressure on Coleman until at least Wednesday. I was about to say. Or Tuesday. We like... <laughs> don't know when they play. Yes. Uh, Luke Dion got his first goal in Barcelona Colours as well, scoring the second of that game. Um, now we'll head to Italy. AC Milan beat Spezia 2 1 on Saturday to uh, jump up to second place in the league after their. Rivals Inter Milan dropped points in a 2-2 draw with Atalanta. Edin Dzeko rescuing the point for Inter late on in that game. Although uh, Roberto Piccoli had a goal disallowed by VAR in the 88th minute. Which would have seen it as a 3-2 victory for uh, Atalanta. And there was also a penalty as well um, that Inter were awarded. And it was missed by DiMarco as he smashes his penalty onto the crossbar so a game that had it all put in the end no win for Inter Milan Juventus are continuing their revival 
in Italy beating Sampdoria 3-2 with Locatelli scoring his first goal in Juve Colors as well as Benucci scoring a penalty and Dybala which is we had seen Benucci score the penalty for Juventus they're all Italians as we've seen they can take them yes and in the battle of Rome between Lazio and Roma it was Lazio that won 3-2 with Felipe Anderson Pedro and Sergei Milinkovic Savic with the goals the man that Mourinho let go scored against him I know just pure pure Jose <laughs> yeah um, if, if I could have won I think you'd be something with the AC Milan stuff it was their one of their goal scorers yes Daniel Maldini in his first start for uh, AC Milan he has played quite a few times and it now means three generations of the Maldini family has started a game and scored for AC Milan following his grandfather Cesar his dad Paolo and now so Daniel I have the stat here that's quite so Daniel Maldini's goal was 13 years after Paolo Maldini's last Serie A goal and it was 60 years after the last one of his grandfather I mean you might as well rename that club AC Maldini <laughs> honestly it's just absolutely brilliant to see that family continuing its tradition uh, over in Germany and off- Maldini is a very good fantasy team name I'll roll that one down <laughs> <laughs> on Friday Bayern Munich continued their uh, great start to the season in the Bundesliga beating Sporting Growth the first 3-1 uh, however Robert Lewandowski's 19 games consecutive of scoring has come to an end after uh, he thought he'd scored the third for Bayern Munich but it has gone down as a Sebastian Greisbeck own goal however Bayern won't really care. It meant that he missed out on the consecutive goals record that was Gerd Muller's as well mm-hmm. which just shows how incredible of a forward Gerd, the late Gerd Muller was um, elsewhere we've had a lot of action RB Leipzig smashing hurt to Berlin at 6-0 uh, Christopher Nkunku being the star of the show scoring a brace there for Leipzig Wolfsburg losing 3-1 to Hoffenheim so Bayern replace Wolfsburg at the top of the table uh, and Borussia Dortmund had a bad weekend obviously they didn't have Erling Haaland in the team um, losing 1-0 to Borussia Mönchengladbach with Dennis uh, Zachariah scoring the only goal of the game there. Yeah. Just shows no Haaland, no party. I don't think he works as well. <laughs> <laughs> you got to work on that one a little bit. Well, I've still got a anyway, good one for the, today's uh, episode. Yeah, you could say that one, but uh, what happened in France? Because I'm guessing it starts with PSG winning and ending with PSG winning. <laughs> Yep, beat Montpellier 2-0, Julian Draxler and Idrissa Garnagay with their goals and PSG just top of the league, 8 wins out of 8. Who's in the gap? It's already 9 points. It's it a second points place. Points? Well, Lens are in second uh, with 15 and then Marseille are in third with 14, having played a game less than oh. Lens. Where the table's not updated on the thing I'm looking at. Uh, but yeah, it's just handed the title already walk over yeah and Messi's not even done anything however he might be back for their Champions League action and we do have the Champions League to look forward to um, so this will be going out on Tuesday morning 
and PSG will be playing at Manchester City later on, aka the uh, oil derby, as we like to call it in the footballing world. <laughs> you mean oil classica? Yes, there's also that as well. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one, uh, if I add one thing, because Europe has definitely delivered this week. Didn't it? Like, Europe was it was a good week in Europe. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Can't complain. Good week in Europe, except for in whistling straights. The games that we've got this week in the Champions League, obviously we've got PSG versus Man City, Liverpool travel to Portugal to face FC Porto, and AC Milan play Atletico, the other game in that group, and uh, Borussia Dortmund will take on Sporting uh, Lisbon, also on Tuesday. And then Wednesday we see... Manchester United host Villarreal in a rematch of last season's Europa League final. Chelsea travel. Yeah, Ollie having flashbacks. <laughs> Thomas Tuchel side travel to Italy as they face Juventus and uh, Barcelona travel to Portugal where they will be facing Benfica. So some good games to look forward to this uh, Tuesday and Wednesday for the Champions League. You realise United can't lose that game against Villarreal, right? Yeah, I know. Otherwise, all this defence you've given of Solskjaer goes out the window. <laughs> uh, I back a manager until the end, that is my saying. If you give it till December until you're on my side. <laughs> uh, right, any more talking points from this week that we may have missed? Well, we've got the Predictions League, even if it was as pitiful as I know it has been. <laughs> might be the biggest understatement you've actually ever said whilst we're doing this podcast so as usual we have our six games that we've chosen uh, Chelsea versus Man City Spurs Arsenal Watford Newcastle Lazio versus Roma Marseille versus Lens and Willem Zvey versus PSV and we got all six predictions wrong which I think is genuinely a first it's a, a nil point Apart from the extra fantasy point, which at this current time, because we haven't had the Palace Brighton game, I'm winning the extra point. So, I'm yeah. begging Conor Gallagher to do something tonight. <laughs> Conor Gallagher needs to have like an absolute masterpiece for you to win this weekend. Otherwise, it is. I genuinely don't. Why did we? Need to say, why did we get rid of Emi Martinez? <laughs> we both made the same mistake of substituting for Ben Foster, and it look how it came off. Yeah, let's not talk about that because it's bad enough with the predictions league looking I, back at I that rather than that. In that, I heard his out and I thought, oh yeah, that's a point. <laughs> Why did I not back him? Should have backed Miami. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely poor weekend. Two points for zero points this week, and they're both Man United players. Luke Shaw and Bruno Fernandes. Disgrace. I mean, I had three because I also had Yannick Vestergaard as well. There's a lot when Andros Townsend was my highest goal scorer. <laughs> I had Seller and Smith Rowe as my two top scorers with 14 and 12 points. I genuinely think Salah's going to have to come in for Bruno. He's been whack lately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, uh, we'll be back later on this week to uh, review all the action from uh, the Champions League and any other talking points that may occur during the next few days and uh, obviously preview the weekend's games which I have no idea what games we've got this weekend um, 
just having a quick look I know Man United all I know are, is Villa are playing Spurs and Man United are playing Everton so not bad yeah uh, right as we said at the start make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get our podcast from and make sure you're following us on Twitter at OffTCPod and us personally on Twitter as well for all the latest news and stories from around the world of football and until next time it's goodbye from Brad uh, <laughs> and it's goodbye from me we'll see you soon <laughs>